We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. The one last episode before we disappear into the darkness edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Dusty Evely. Uh, no Steve this week. Steve is taking the week off before we take like a month off. But with me, as always, is the always wonderful Sarah Kelleher. Sarah, this time of year, you know, it's the last one going into the draft. We're always scrambling. Last week was mailbag only. This week. We got to hear the floor talk. We have things to actually talk about, which is very exciting. But first of all, how are you doing? How are you feeling about the our impending break coming up here? Good. You know, I, I always do enjoy uh, the the little break that we get. Uh, we'll be back in mid-May, I, I believe, like May 16th or something like that is when we record again. Um, but I actually learn a lot from the draft episodes since I'm not a draft expert and I really do try to listen to them because they're very helpful. Um, but other than that, I'm doing well. Um, I could tell that you had that darkness joke teed up and we're just <laughs> bursting at the seams ready, to man. be able to say that. So congrats on that. Thanks. I could tell, you know, you had a little smile on your face when you said it. How are you? I'm good, man. Yeah, I knew. Uh, so a couple of days ago, Brian Gudikins talked. I was not aware that LaFleur was going to be talking uh, on this day we were recording. So that was uh, that was a nice little surprise. Got to listen to him talk about a little bit about Rodgers and the rest, kind of all things football, which was which was interesting. So yeah, I'm I'm doing good. Like like you, uh, I try to do a little bit more draft stuff this year, but I still don't do a lot. And so I'm excited to kind of fade out for a bit and, and listen to Pack a Day and. Learn more about draft stuff from people who know way, way, way more than I do. So I'm, I'm, I always miss our time off. I guess by the time it's by the time we come yeah. back, I'm, I'm more than ready for it to be over. But it's nice getting a little break and kind of learning from people who who are who are absolutely smarter than us on the draft stuff. So that's awesome. Um, 
Well, we mentioned the floor stuff before we get to that. There was a report and it came in late on Monday um, and it was after the, after that crew recorded. So I thought we would touch on it from Charles Robinson, Yahoo talking about a report coming in about what is potentially holding up this, this, this jets Packers deal. So he said trade this. Uh, so he kind of set it up saying trade is currently orbiting a deal that would swap Rogers for two high draft picks. So that's kind of, that's the crux of this here. But he says it's getting closer and the biggest, the biggest thing here is they said there's big, they say said stiff negotiations over how those picks would stack up, whether the package would include a give back protection for the Jets if Rodgers only plays one year in New York. So basically the sticking point, and it's, it sounds like if you believe the sources here, which, you know, I have no reason to disbelieve them. Basically, this came up when Rodgers went on McAfee and said, I was 90% retired before I went into the darkness. And the Dutch were like, oh, crap, he might not play two years. And so there's they're trying to get basically some kind of protection. So there's some kind of like high-level pick in the mix for this for this year. But then also the Jets want protection that if Rodgers does not play in 2024, the Packers have to send them a pick back. It's basically like that seems to be the sticking point. Um there's been there wasn't a lot of details about the, the they talked about high level picks. There wasn't a lot of details about the actual um, the actual picks. So we don't know what the pick coming back to the Jets would be. But Sarah, when you <laughs> I know my thoughts when I read this initially, uh, what were your thoughts when you read this initially about that uh, about that potential sticking point there? Yeah, I didn't love this, Dusty. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. It feels like when you trade a hall of fame quarterback that you should get a lot in return and it should be that, you know, and now because of, you know, potentially as this article states, some of the things that Rogers shared on McAfee about how he was seriously considering retirement or sort of coming back to bite the Packers because now the jets are like, well, we don't know. We don't want to trade all of these assets away, picks, players, whatever it may be. Uh, and then after one year, Maybe we make the playoffs, we get bounced in the first round, and then he's gone. Um, so I get, I see both sides to the argument. I totally see both sides. But as a Packers fan, I hate the possibility of this. Um, and I really hope that Gudikins and company are trying to work around this. I imagine that's why there is some holdup. Um, but God, I don't like the idea of picks changing. I just want it to be done. I want it to be a clean trade. You get this, we get this, shake hands and move on forever. Yeah, that's where I am. It's one of those, definitely one of those, I can see it from both sides. However, <laughs> however, speaking strictly from a Packers standpoint, yeah, I don't love it. And again, if it's like a seventh round pick, if, well, if Rodgers only plays one year, you give us a seventh round pick. I do that now, like, because who cares? But I would imagine looking for more protection than that. So yeah, it's not, I don't feel great about it. Even if I do understand it, I think from both sides, but that was, uh, I thought it interesting because so far the talks about what's been holding it up. I know Rogers, one of McAfee has said, like, I'm not the one holding it up. And there's been so many reports about like, it's on the doorstep. They're ready. So getting a little clarification about what seems to be that actual holdup, I thought was really interesting. So moving on, Sarah, as we said, they've got the GMs, the coaches, they're all in Florida. They're just, they're having the time of their lives right now. They're living it up. They're, they're talking about not trading players or trading players. OBJ is milling around in pajama pants for some reason. I don't know what's going on. It seems like a party. LaFleur sat down for half an hour uh, with the media today. When I say the media, it was like almost all of the media. Uh, Sarah, I know you mentioned to me, like Schefter posted a picture and it's just, 
Todd Bowles is in the background, an empty table, not he a soul in sight. He was so happy. <laughs> oh my gosh, just having the time of his life. Meanwhile, the floor is surrounded by like 50 people right next to him, front and center, literally right ma- right hand man is Matt Schneiman looking into the camera like, like he's Jim Halpert. Uh, just tremendous content. <laughs> Tremendous content. Uh, but we did get a lot of stuff from the floor. So we're going to touch on some of those points right now. So, I mean, first of all, he talked about, right, he opened up with Rodgers and he was basically like, listen, I don't have a whole lot to tell you. It's out of my hands. He said, I talked to Robert Sala and he talked about, you know, how they're good friends. He said, we're staying out of it. This is between Gudukins and Douglas. But he did, you know, talked about how thankful they were, they were for Rodgers and having them in the building and for the success and all he's given the team and the community and the coaching staff and the family and talked for a couple minutes before he even started about how appreciative he has been just having Aaron Rodgers there in the building. Uh, and then he basically was like, I'm not talking about Aaron Rodgers anymore. <laughs> and then that, that was that. So he talked about love a lot. Um, so we'll hit on some of that and then kind of jumped around to some other stuff. So Sarah, I, I mean, the quotes that are floating around, one of the big quotes, and he, this was flushed out a little bit more, you know, obviously than, than the single quote that's floating around, but he talked about love and he said, uh, when, I don't know if you just saw the initial quote, the, the first before anything else. And he said, like, when it comes to love, we're going to have to, you know, have to temper expectations. Basically when you saw that quote, like initially, what, what were your thoughts on that? So I saw, you know, as most people probably did initially, just somebody tweeted out that he said this and that was it. I didn't listen to the full context. And I was like, Oh, I, I don't know if I, if I love that. Um, that seems like coach has a little bit of, uh, or he's lacking confidence a little bit, but Listening to the whole quote, it's clear that he's basically just saying, hey, Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer and Jordan Love is an unproven quarterback. And that's just simply what it is. So Packers fans, spoiler alert, very spoiled. Uh, You know, having Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers back to back, it's not even an expectation. It's just the norm that the Packers are always going to have a good quarterback. And that's might not necessarily be the case right away with Jordan Love. It's going to be a work in progress. This is the start of what um, I know Perry said this the other day on this, on the Sunday show that this is just the start of what is hopefully a a quick and um, you know, very good rebuild. Um, But that takes time. And so that's really all I think LaFleur meant by those comments. I don't think it was a dig at Jordan Love or saying he stinks. Um, it was just simply, hey, give this kid a chance. Yeah, and even in regards to Rodgers, he, he mentioned, he said, like, you know, I mean, basically what you said, like it was he following up, you can't expect Hall of Fame play right away. But even then he said, he said Aaron Rodgers, he says a once-in-a-lifetime generational talent, but I don't think it necessarily started that way when he started. He progressed into that, which, I mean, if you look at any early clips of Rodgers, absolutely 100% true. So basically he was saying, like, listen, it's going to it's going to be a process. There's going to be a progression, but there also was with Rodgers, and and you can see like where he is now. So just expect a little bit of that progression is still coming. And he talked about uh, you know specific improvements. He said he said he's in performance uh, performance of practice, his mechanics, his decisions, his timing within the pass game, and he said his accuracy, which they improve or which is basically how they grade their quarterbacks. He says he's come a long way. So he definitely. Uh, you know, if you just get judged by that single quote, yeah, for sure. It seems like he's, listen, this is a guy we're rolling with, but hey, hey man, you don't fire us if he's not good. Um, he definitely speaks about how far he's come. And it does seem like there's there's quite a bit of confidence there within love to grow. Just kind of a, listen, he's not he's not like a 16 to 18 year starter Hall of Fame quarterback. Like he's not just going to come in and do this. So um, there were, <laughs> not how much you saw, Sarah, there was a lot of questions. Schneidman asked one and someone else asked one about like, 
what does the offense look like with love? Basically, how do you change this with love? Do you think he's going to run your offense kind of, um, how, did you see any of that or what were your thoughts on, on, I assume everyone going into those kind of had, uh, was had a lot of those same questions based on, based on what I've been hearing so far this year. Yeah. So it seems like they kind of don't really know what the offense looks like totally with love. Um, some of the things that LaFleur ta- talked about was specifically with training camp and preseason and how the approach is going to be completely different from previous years. Obviously, when you have the veteran and the guy that's been in the organization for as long as Aaron Rodgers was. Um, and he also mentioned that um, – Love is going to play extensively in the preseason games. And that's kind of the opportunity in my mind for them to figure out what exactly the offense looks like. I think the first half of the season and what we'll probably see a lot is that it's pretty run heavy because that's the safe way to go. But at some point they're going to have to let Jordan Love let it rip as well. Um, and kind of do his thing. And yeah, he's going to throw interceptions or he's, he's going to get hit, but he kind of has to fail forward in a sense. This is, you know, we've seen it. Like you just said a few minutes ago, Aaron Rodgers did the same thing. People said Aaron Rodgers sucked to put him out there. And then after a while, or not a while, but you know, after a little bit, it clicked for him and, uh, and he did really well. So I don't really think they have a clear answer of what it looks like. And I'm curious as to what you think being the offensive minded guru that you are. Yeah, I mean, I've always been of the mind that that Rodgers runs the offense more than more than people like a couple of different ways. I think he runs the offense that LaFleur calls more than people give him credit for, but I also believe there is his influence on there. But but as I've said a thousand times, everyone does that, like every single quarterback that there's, I mean, famous Saints meetings with with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, where they would go through, you know, offseason install. And then during the week, you've got the practice stuff and you start you're whittling down your call sheet and you go through all the practice and you go through, through a full week. Then the night before a game, the coaches would sit down with Drew Brees and he would say, I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't like that. The stuff they practice during the week. And he would just say, I don't want that. I don't want that. I want. And before touching on that somewhat, he said, it's not, he said, it's our offense. It's not my offense. You want the guy out there to be comfortable with what he's running. And I think that's true. And I think Rogers just with his history. And I mean, as much as he loves trying to take those, those one-on-ones and all the stuff about leverage and matchups and all that stuff, he would look at that stuff beforehand. And sometimes he would predetermine that. And you could say he's going outside the offense, but he's really just finding a matchup they think works best for him, which is really no different than any other established quarterback. This is not something only Rodgers does. That's every starting quarterback and every coach worth their salt will then listen to the quarterback and say, I want you comfortable. Like that's, that's true league wide. So, I mean, and, but he did say, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just Rodgers as well. He said, I mean, the offense a couple different times said it's a work in progress. He said, uh, we need to be intentional about what we do and then what we ask love to do. But he also mentioned like, Listen, he said we're we lost guys like Lazard, Tunyon. He's uh, I think the wording he actually used was we need to find guys to supplement those roles. So I think there's going to be like a level of comfort with what Love can do, what they want Love to do within that offense, which he said is going to evolve naturally every year anyway, which is absolutely true. But then also they've got to work in uh, rework their tight end room, bring in a couple wide receivers. Um, so I guess on that, that note, he did talk about wide receivers. He talked about Watson. Uh, basically about his progression and how they're going to ask him to do more, basically like run every route on the route tree, basically, which, which you could see them doing a little more. The season went on Dobbs. He, he didn't compare it to, but he says has the movement of Devonte Adams. And he yeah. just needs to learn how to harness that movement. I uh, mentioned Torrey. He even brought up Bo Melton 
as far as a guy that like, you know, we're excited to see what he can do for us. But he also mentioned the addition of a vet wide receiver. So just him kind of going through all of those guys. I mean, was was the Dobbs quote the thing that stu- stuck out for you the most, Sarah? Obviously. I mean, again, it's like I scroll through Twitter on my lunch break and I see that. I'm like, what? What? That is a very bold prediction, bold um, comparison. But hey, I'm all for it. You know, I I was all aboard the future Hall of Famer Romeo Dobbs train last season. And so if that's going to help continue my narrative, then sure. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. For real, um, Obviously, the quote is being taken out of context, but um, I I get what he's saying about the movement and some of the things there, the quickness. Um, And that's good. If they feel like he can be that guy and if they trust in Jordan Love, then maybe we get, you know, Rodgers to Adams 2.0 with those two. Um, You never know. Uh, A girl can dream, right? Um, But that, you know, that comment as well as the comment that they need to add to the room. Um, and I'm glad that he was sort of upfront about that. And he said, yes, we have some good talent, but we also need to add talent there and make sure that, um, you know, we're growing it and we have a lot of young guys right now and uh, they're still developing and, and coming into their own. So that was good. And I'm sure it, it uh, just sent some people into a frenzy about how the Packers have no weapons, especially at wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some talk about the the comedy involved if it took a wide receiver in the first round this year. But he, I mean, he specifically did add. Talk, he said adding some bodies to the room and, and talked about the uh, I know like the like Lazard and Cobb and kind of how they showed those young guys last year, uh, like practice habits and how to handle their business and how to be a professional, all that stuff. So it sounds like they are looking to add uh, likely another veteran wide receiver into the mix as well. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, Let's talk about Rich Passaccia. He opened, someone asked him about Passaccia and he opened by saying like, you know, honestly, it's a disappointing that like, it seems like he should be here speaking as he should be a head coach in this league. Uh, and you listen to him talk about Passaccia. I mean, you, we've heard him talk about Passaccia before, but it's glowing praise. Um, uh, it, I mean, some of the quotes was he's one of the best leaders I've ever been around. Um, I've learned a lot from him. I know a lot of people have accused LaFleur of being, too soft, too nice. He's too nice of a man to be a coach. Uh, he's talked about learning a lot from Basachi on that. He said, you know, he he said he coaches guys hard, uh, but they run through a brick wall for him and they love him. So he said that's that's one where like he's what he say you're coaching coaching the uh, the jersey number. Um, so it's it, like the altering approach based on who's in front of you and and who can you be a little harder on than other. And so just li- I mean. I could, I think I could listen to Matt LaFleur talk about Passaccia for hours. Then I could talk, listen to Passaccia talk about football for hours more. So say, what were your, what were your thoughts on, on some of the Passaccia comments? Yeah, I love that. And you know, it's not the first time that, that we've heard that either. Um, If I recall, Aaron Rodgers had similar praise uh, for him on the Pat McAfee show at, you know, some point on Aaron Rodgers Tuesday this past season talked about how he really is a guy that, should be a head coach. He embodies all of the qualities, you know, the toughness, but also is personable and understands the human side to the business and really gets to know his players, but still takes things seriously and expects and pushes people to perform at the highest level possible. Um, so, you know, I wasn't surprised to see it, but it is nice to see. Um, and I just feel lucky that he's a part of the Packers organization and we better soak it up because I have a feeling this may be the last year. 
Yeah, yeah, it's tough not to get that feeling, I think. We'll see how the special teams does this year, but it's hard to listen to him. And, I mean, just former players talk about about Basaccio without thinking, well, he's probably not much longer for the non-head coaching world, I would think. Especially have never what, heard anybody say a bad word about him. It's always no. that he's amazing, that he deserves to be a head coach. How is he not a head coach already? He changed my life. I love coach. I still talk to him. <laughs> like, it's the same thing over and over. It's like, we get it. He's amazing. We love him, too, but – don't take him away. Don't talk about how you love him too much. Well, and the one chance he got to be head coach was on an interim basis, and he took the Raiders to the playoffs. So, you know, he's, he's got that going for him as well. Um, there was some talk about Rasul. Uh, so, you know, I think we're going to talk about this in a minute, but there was. He talked about Stokes a little bit and basically was talking about the injury and they're hoping to have him back out there by the, by the t- start of team activities. But it was it was very vague. Uh, so he talked about Rasul. Talked about Rasul not going to safety right away, certainly. But he mentioned, like, how <laughs> – Something that everything everyone else was shouting from the heavens uh, towards the beginning of last year. Rasul's better on the outside. Uh, Rasul's better on the outside. I know. Gasp. I can't believe that that was admitted. Um, But how how he reads, how he adjusts, how he kind of recognizes. We know know how smart he is. Uh, But that that also opened the door then. He basically said he's going to give Keyshawn Nixon. We'll we'll make this the Nixon uh, portion, I guess, Sarah. He's going to give T- Keyshawn Nixon every opportunity to win that to, to win the nickel spot, um, and it, we kind of talked about that a little once we saw that contract. And it was that six million dollar deal. We're like, well, I don't think this is for a returner. I think they want him more on the defense as well. So it sounds like they're that's absolutely what they were thinking. There's also talk, Sarah, of potentially an offensive package involving Keyshawn Nixon on the offense, Sarah. We are team Keyshawn Nixon here. What are your thoughts on Keyshawn Nixon potentially starting nickel slot, potentially Jetman, potentially just chaos maker in the offense? What are your thoughts on this? I think you should share your thoughts because you seem like if you (laughs) don't say them right now, you may start crying or I don't know. I think he's just, I mean, I'm excited, but I think he's just Jetman. I think they'll just they'll use him for jet stuff, which is which is sorely needed. We talked about that before with once like Irvin went down, like if it losing a guy like Tyler Irvin, like, oh no, we can't run our offense. That's a problem. So I think Nixon probably, you know, yeah, you're talking about a gadget guy. That's the gadgety of gadget guys, especially if you don't want to I mean, not only that, so you don't want to take away from nickel slow, nickel snaps, but they also said LaFleur was like, he needs to learn how to be a returner because sometimes he mentioned specifically the, the Lions game at the end of the year. He said he, he kind of went rogue, didn't do what he was supposed to do, and it kind of bit him. So he kind of needs to learn a little bit more there. So can't imagine they'll say, all right, you're now starting nickel corner. You are also a returner. But then also we you're going to be like 15 snaps on offense and you're running like five different routes. I, this pure gadget. You run them jet, you give them the ball every other game, and you see what happens, and you keep defenses honest. Like that seems like about how they're going, but man, they need someone like that. So I I don't think it'll happen, honestly, but it's kind of exciting the prospect of it. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I'm all if if he can play any of those positions, whether it's nickel or whether he's the jet man, as good as he was in the return game, and he can continue to improve and basically shock the world that he's you know, continues to top himself in that way, then I'm all for it. I'd love to see it. Um, He was a great addition to the team last year. And like you said, we talked about it when the, when he resigned and and there was a new contract that, Hey, that seems like he's going to play a little bit of a bigger role. And if they believe he can do that, then I'm all for it. And, you know, he's obviously a special teams guy. We just talked about Sasha and how, He's such an influential person in this organization and pretty much in every organization he's been a part of. And if he's 
there and he's like his number one mentor on the team and constantly pushing him, then that's probably going to mean good things for Keyshawn Nixon. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's uh, you would think if they have that expanded role form, they'd sign up for more than one year, but maybe it's kind of a, we're going to see what shakes, man. Let's just see what shakes out here. So it's kind of exciting. Uh, I mean, I think that's all we have from the floor stuff. Again, we could, we could talk for an hour about some of the stuff you talked about, but I think we're pretty good. We touched on a lot of those big stuff. As always, we ask for questions. You guys give us some questions. And so we're going to hit a few of those questions now and then uh, get out of your hair for about a month and a half. So Sarah, what do we got this week? Alrighty, our first question from friend of the show, Matt Pickett. He said, hope I'm not too late. Matt, it's never too late. We record this podcast at a horrendously late hour. But um, <laughs> what do you make of the new rules changes that came out today? So there were there were a couple, um, and we'll talk about them. And then bonus question, what podcasts are you listening to these days? If none, what shows are you watching? Yeah, I mean the big the big rule change that everyone's all excited about, man. Approved jersey number zero, which is going to be great when the Packers grab Darnell Washington in the draft, and he can just <laughs> he can just keep that number, just keep on rolling, man. Uh, I mean, there was there was other stuff in there as well about um, like stuff that you squint now and you're like, this is going to cause a problem. I think uh, stuff like uh, there's the change, the definition of a launch to leaving one or both feet. Um, that's what approves. So I think it's, it's, it's not just two feet. It's one foot now, which anytime you get, I think more into the weeds of this stuff, you just like, now you're in the hands of replay and it's just going to, it's so over-regulated that like, it's just spelled down. So you have no spirit of the law anymore. You've got the letter of the law and it's, well, his foot was like, you know, one inch off the ground, half an inch. Like there's just, there's all these little things that are coming to play. So when I see a lot of this stuff, I didn't see one of the ones I was rejected was Nick Sirianni and the Eagles were pushing for uh tenths of a second on the play clock because he said it could help him uh, play call uh, call plays better if he knew if it was like on the plus part of the half second or the under part at that point, man, like, I think, I think you're asking for way too much trouble. Uh, so that ended up being rejected, but you know, there's, there's what's one of them that making the penalty for tripping a personal foul, uh, which I certainly saw jokes about, uh, well, you know, Mac Jones is screwed now. Uh, so, so, got that going for him but yeah i mean just a handful of little things here and there i think the the big one that everyone was very excited about was just the uh the the jersey at being number zero sarah oh and then actually what okay podcast am i listening to too many 
Uh, too many. Uh, I mean, we talked about during, this is not just, you know, me saying this because we record here, but uh, during draft, especially it's always, it's pack a day uh, because they're hitting not only groups, but specific players and, and just hearing from a lot of people that are going to be talking about those. I just, I learn a ton from there. So I'll be doing pack a day um, athletic football podcast. One of my favorites. I'll be doing that packs. What she said, Maggie and Perry, Last Call Lambo with with just the, the lunatics over there. Uh, Blue 58 with John Muirdink. Um, does such a great job all offseason. His draft stuff is incredible. And, of, and of course, Hey, We Like Your Pod. Big fans of Hey, We Like We Pod. You like your pod here on this show. Um, and my non-football stuff, I kind of keep a rotation. I don't listen to these all the time. But uh, Bloody Good Horror is my favorite horror podcast. They do movies weekly, so I'm a big fan of them. So listen to them. Evolution of Horror, huge fan of. He does like... A, um, series of like subgenres of horror and then takes you through the history of it through reviews. Like so just kicked off a series on home invasion movies. And so he's going to be taking it back through like seventies and early home invasion. And then kind of no one cares about this, but me, but it kind of going through the, basically the evolution of each subgenre, fascinating stuff, British guy, tremendous voice, uh, making of the record. I'm a big fan of, which is just a guy who basically just interviews, uh, musicians, who have made albums and then just like, they just lets them cook for a little bit. He did like Lowe's what we lost in the fire. And he talked to um, John Sparhawk and, and Mimi Parker about that and big star and some of the big star people. So that's a big one that I love. Um, and then I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, Oh, astonishing legends is my other big one. That's just long form two hour podcast, three part, each one with over two plus hours getting into kind of, weird legends some of it horror some of it not about kind of unknown on or discovered but not a whole lot of information on stuff that they really really dig deep on so that's that's one of the ones i really get into and then i don't know man i've gone on for a while tv yellow jacket started back up party downs back on like it just listen man there's a lot of content i'm just i'm struggling to get through sarah i'm struggling to get through yeah there is a lot and i i definitely have to have days where I catch up because I'm behind on my <laughs> podcasts or my shows and, and it's kind of crazy. Uh, but, you know, building off of what you said, uh, number zero, definitely my favorite rule of the day. I saw Keyshawn Nixon quote tweeted it with the eye emojis, I believe, or something <laughs> Let's go. Um, that he was excited. So he may be he may be the chosen one for the Packers or the chosen zero, I should say, for the Packers. Um, and then. What podcasts am I listening to these days? Uh, obviously, I, I do listen to Packaday. I don't listen to ours because I don't like listening to my own voice. But Same. I try to listen to others as much as I can. Uh, I listen to uh, two of my best friends have a UCF podcast called the Pegasus Podcast. I listen to that um, as much as I can. And it's about all UCF sports, so it kind of keeps me in it as a informed alumnus of the pro of the university what's going on there um i listen to part of my take regularly um love that podcast absolutely hilarious cracks me up it's it's to me it's sort of like the bachelor it's just kind of an escape from reality um and you get to just listen to some tremendous takes that make me chuckle a little bit um and then i listen to chicks in the office which is a pop culture podcast can't you know i that's my guilty pleasure. I love some pop culture. So I always listen to that. Um, and shows, God, a lot of shows. Ted Lasso's back. Mandalorian is on. Uh, the Last of Us obviously came out recently. If you watch you or are interested in watching you on Netflix, the latest season just came out for that too. So a, a lot going on. Outer Banks season three. So I, I've been playing catch up for sure. All right, our next question from Amal. He wants to know, 
who do y'all believe? Who do we believe? And by that, I assume he means the Packers or Aaron Rodgers. And also Dusty doing the fact or fiction. I need a break down on go routes up the sideline. So I'll answer this first since I only have to answer one of the questions. Um, I believe the Green Bay Packers. And whether they're right or wrong, I'm always going to believe the Green Bay Packers because in my mind, I'm a Packers fan. Yes, I Aaron Rodgers was a big part of that culture and for many years. And obviously I, I loved and supported him. But now that that chapter is over, my allegiance is to the Packers. And so I'm going to believe them. Also, again, I'm not an expert, so I could be wrong. But we talked about it last week. Rodgers contradicted himself a lot on Pat McAfee. He said one thing, then later, you know, about retire. I thought about retiring. Oh, I knew the Packers didn't want me. And it was just a lot. And at this point, I don't really think the Packers have a lot to lose. They're like, we already know he wants to leave. So they're like, yeah, it is what it is. We tried to reach out to him. He didn't want to talk to us. So we moved on. Um, and it just kind of seems like that might be the situation. So I'm, I'm going with the Packers. Yeah, fully. I believe everyone and also no one. Like I, I don't think anyone is, is fully telling the truth. But like you said, sir, I mean, I think with, with Rogers on McAfee and the way he, I mean, contradicted himself uh, at least a few times within that, and within that specific interview to say nothing of other stuff he said leads me to kind of trust some of the stuff Gutekunst is saying and the Packers are saying it maybe a little more than, than just trusting Aaron Rodgers' word. Again, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, Gutekunst saying like, you know, we, we couldn't get a hold of him. We tried to get a hold of him. And then you you slice that with like Roger saying uh, they're having they're having talks without me. Were they having talks without you because you didn't pick up the phone? Or like, you know, it's kind of one of these, I, I don't really know who to believe, but just based on the way Rogers has presented some of this, and some of that is we've heard from Rogers more. Maybe if Gutekunst talks a little more, maybe he contradicts himself a little more. I don't know. But just based on what we've heard, based on what we know of the parties, for now, I, I tend to, to think the Packers are probably a little more on the up and up uh, than Rogers is right now. And uh, yeah, the the fact or fiction, that's an idea I pitched today on, on Twitter. I think the first installment of that's going to be up on pack report either uh, later today or uh tomorrow potentially my idea is i've got all of his data that i do during during the uh, during the season and some of it i clean up more during the off season do a lot of charting offensive play-by-play you know trying to trying to get as much as i can within there and i use that during the week to week and then in the off season i see what i can do in terms of of maybe expanding the knowledge a little bit looking at it from a season by season or by for a season long perspective so i pitched this idea and my first one is going to be on um, does Aaron Rodgers avoid the middle of the field? Uh, like based based on where the rest of the league is, I compiled a bunch of data. Does the rest does does he avoid the middle of the field, or do we as Packers fans not pay attention a ton to the rest of the teams to know how they're kind of using it? Is, is it a fall in line or is it kind of avoidance? So that's the first one that's going to be up on Packer Report. But to answer his question, that is actually the second one I wrote down before anyone actually chimed in because that's one of the complaints I always hear about Rodgers is the yellow balls on third and short. Basically, does, does Rodgers have a tendency to chuck long on third and two? What percentage of those balls, you know, third and one or two, something like that, what percentage of those does he throw? And then what is the rest of the league doing as far as that as well? So I've, I will have that. Hopefully that one will be coming up in the next week or two, doing something on um, on the Packers play clock when they, when they tend to snap versus the rest of the league. The whole idea in this, for me anyway, is like I hear all these narratives throughout the year and in the offseason as far as like, Rodgers is bad at this. The Packers are bad at this. The offense is bad at this. And I want to kind of take as much as I can and compile that all the, all together and just say like, 
well, that's not, if you look at the numbers and everything, even some of the film, that's not actually true. And then try to have some kind of case as to whether either why it's not true or data to support it. Um, some of these, I don't know myself. And so I'm just trying to, trying to figure out the answer. So, uh, so yeah, this, the third and short does Rogers throw Yolo balls in third and short, hopefully within a couple of weeks. Um, but that's, it's a series I'm, I'm very excited about. So hopefully you can hang tight for a week or two of that on that amount, but I'm going to, I'm going to work on that brother. All right. Next question from Chris A. Football question. What will your reaction be when the Packers draft another defensive player from Georgia? Also, <laughs> how concerned are you with Stokes' injury long-term? Food, what's your favorite candy? Uh, so I'll go since Dusty just spoke for a little bit. Um, my reaction if the Packers draft another defensive player from Georgia is that I will not be surprised at all. This is tradition now, and um, I'm fully expecting it. Um, and how concerned I am with Stokes' injury long-term. Um, not too concerned yet, um, as long as they don't rush him back. It seems like, you know, LaFleur uh, said that they're hopeful that they can get him back as soon as possible. That kind of seems like maybe that won't be week one. Um, and I don't I don't want to push it. I really think that – or I don't want them to push it. I, I have no say in what they do. Um, but I really think that he's somebody that could – be a key player in the on the defense there were there were some good things that we saw his his rookie year that made me feel a little bit hopeful and if they can keep him healthy then there's a lot of potential there um so I'm not too concerned yet uh where I will become concerned is if he comes back in like week two like tweaks it again and then that's where I'm like okay this is could become a serious problem um so cautiously optimistic right now not hitting the panic button yet uh, and favorite candy, uh, sweet tarts. I love sweet tarts. I have so many boxes in my pantry, and every time I run out of one, and I keep one um, in my desk at work, and every time I run out, I come home and switch it out and start the cycle all over again. So those are my favorite. Where do you sit on sprees, Sarah? Isn't that like basically like candy coated sweet tarts, more yeah, or less? Yeah, I, I don't know. That? I feel like yeah. it's. Like they're just you can't outdo the doer. That that's the vibe I get from that. They just are they're trying too hard. It's just stick to the original. <laughs> just play the hits, man. Just play the hits. Uh yeah, I mean the Georgia thing, um I'd be cool with it depending on the player, obviously. Uh I mean Georgia's a team. I mean obviously they've got they've got a ton of good players. They've got a defensive scheme that can ask a lot of its players in terms of like a, a recognition of what the offense is doing so it, it can produce some some smart kind of heady players uh, that, that come into the league a little more prepared for what NFL defenses will ask them to do. So I'd be fine with it. I know, well, you know, the past couple of years have not, you know, well, I guess Stokes that rookie year, you know, looked, looked really good and then fell off a little bit this past year. And then you had, uh, you know, Walker and, and Wyatt this past year. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'd be fine with it just because I, I like that program and I like what they tend to do with their players. Um, but again, it d- depends on who the person is. And then, uh, yeah, the Stokes, yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat concerned. Um, you know, he got injured. I think he left. It was week nine. We haven't heard a ton about it. Uh, and we, we obviously don't know everything. But the fact that it's still an issue and they're still kind of playing it, slow playing it, I, I hope it's just – I hope it's just to be – that they're being a little overly cautious with this. But it is, like like Sarah said, I mean, I'm, I'm – I'd say it's a little troubling. I'm a little concerned. But until he actually starts missing time or if he comes back and then, like, tweaks it again and is out for like another eight weeks. Like that seems like I'm not ready to sound the, the alarm just yet, but it is, I think I'm, I'm on the verge here a little bit of, of it being a little troubling, at least until we hear a little more because we still haven't heard a ton. 
And then favorite candy, man, it's spring. So right now, just Reese's eggs are like the only thing on my mind. That's, that's all that matters right now. And then I'll figure out my other favorite candy after that. But right now, that's 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 forefront of my mind right now. Not Peeps? I do love Peeps. Oh, I do no. I do love Peeps, but Reese's eggs will, will take the cake over that. It's that time of the year where I can't go to the grocery store without an end cap just being full of Peeps. And it's like they're <laughs> staring at me and it's horrible. I hate <laughs> so much. I uh, all right. Next question from Just Trying to Live. They sent in two questions. We're just going to answer the football one. Uh, pick one position that the Packers would have an all-pro player every single season, no matter what. What position would it be and why? And you can't pick quarterback. Um, feel free to dig at and criticize each other's answers, a la the vanilla shake question that shall forever live in infamy. So, <laughs> Dusty, what position would you pick for the Packers' permanent all-pro player? Yeah, unfortunately, Steve's not here. We're always a little nicer when it's just two of us. So I, I think we're not going to get a whole lot of digs in here. Uh, and and we're not the ones that love vanilla shakes. We're reasonable people with reasonable takes. Like, I, you know, this is this is not the time or place. But I I mean, it should surprise absolutely no one. I'm going to say wide receiver. I will say <gasps> wide receiver. I know. Gasp. Gasp. Because you're talking all pro. There are three wide receivers on first team all pro. This year, those guys were Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. All monster receivers, all at monster years. If you're telling me that we can have an offense that has a top three wide receiver in the league every single year, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely going to take that. Because like, I think you can – there's differences you can make on the margin. I think you know offensive line would be one uh, that I think would be good, but sometimes that's a weak league position, so you can have an all-pro left tackle, but then if your left guard sucks, like they'll just – there's going to do a whole bunch of twists over there and then you can kind of mitigate that a little bit. So I'll go wide receiver just because I love wide receivers. And if you have a top three guy in the league, chances are your offense is going to be pretty good. So I'm uh, that that's the way I would be going. All right. I, I went a similar direction um, and I went with running back because mm. having a running back that is just an absolute God and is so good is just such a flex. And there's only one, only one running back on the all pro team to, to be able to say, we have the guy, he's better than your guy and is going to absolutely crush it. It would be awesome. Um, and for the Packers and the type of football that they play, having that consistency there would be just chef's kiss. Um, and thinking about the, the years, you know, in, in history, if we're going back in time where things on the offense have looked a little bit lackluster. It's because the run game hasn't been up to par. Um, and so being able to go back in time and balance that out and then ensure that that's a position that's always covered in the future. And then, hey, guess what? Then the Packers can just draft wide receivers and they can finally give everybody what they want because they'll have their guy at running back. Um, so I would go uh, stay on offense, but a little bit of a different direction. All right. Our last question from Katie. She says she has a question specifically for Steve. So Katie, I'm, we're disappointing you already. Um, she wants to know, what console were you playing Super Mario Brothers on? And what's your favorite video game from when you were a kid? So Dusty, we can actually answer mm-hmm. Steve's question for him. So see, Steve, we don't we don't even need you. We, we, we can do this. We never have. We never <laughs> That's not true. We miss you, Steve. We'll miss you because we're not going to see you for over a month. Uh, Yeah, so Steve actually sent us a picture of his kids playing a video game. It was was the original uh, NES. I think it was like the the re-release that's the preloaded games, but uh, 
Steve's was the original NES. So there's there's your there's your answer, Katie. Sorry, Steve could not answer it, but but we we got you for him. And then, what's your favorite video game from when you were a kid? Oh man, so we were not allowed to have a video game system when I was a kid, and so we had to like borrow from other people. So I really didn't have like we had the uh, Intellivision. Uh, which if you know anything about like early video games, I think it was like precursor to Atari, if I'm not mistaken. You have these like, little overlays under a number pad and you played games with that with like a revolving disc. So I don't have a ton of memories in that. I will go with just because, again, I was a little older before I could really play, like really get into video games too much. Uh, probably NBA Jam or NFL Blitz or like the ones because we got we got a Sega system and those were the ones that like I truly fell in love with. You can get into like the NES and, you know, I played Mega Man a little bit and Metroid and Contra and those, but not enough to really like form a bond with them. So I'll go, I'll go NBA jam. Uh, I was older, but that was like one of the first systems that we really were allowed to have. So that's, that's what I'm going. Alrighty. And for me, this is the easiest question we've ever gotten on this show. <laughs> it's monkey ball, monkey ball on the GameCube was and will always be my favorite game ever ever i, I don't know that i've ever played it <gasps> i still play it to this day i went through a phase in college where i had to relive my childhood and i said i'm going to be every level possible <laughs> and i did it it is the best game ever uh and i worked at a trade show once uh where the creators of the game were there and i like went out of my way to go up to them and be like, you have changed my life with this game. Um, I'm literally a game developer. So, uh, well, it was the company. It was the company. Uh, so I don't know if it was a person, but I was just like, I love Monkey Ball so much. So, yes, that would easily be my answer. Still play it to this day. I got it on the Wii. wasn't the same. So the OG on the GameCube. Alrighty. Well, that will do it for questions. Any final thoughts, Dusty, before we depart for about a month and a half? Yeah, no, I talked about the, the fact of fiction thing when we work on. I'm also going to be doing, I'm hoping it's going to be out today, actually over on She Said TV, uh, the first installment of my call sheet project that I put a ton of work into. Uh, so the first entry is just going to be kind of an introduction to the series, what I'm planning to do, and then kind of a look at the call sheet itself. Because my plan is, I always like to try to review the previous season as a whole in terms of what worked, what didn't. Uh, but I always had struggle with the best way to do that. And so this year I'm, I'm creating a call sheet based on how many times per game they were in different situations and looking to see what concepts worked in the best in those situations. So I'm going to be, so I've got this call sheet already created. I'm going to throw that out there. That'll be up on Cheesehead TV again, hopefully today we'll see. And then each week after that is going to be digging that, digging it a little more. We'll look at, you know, first and 10 and what were the calls there or the concept, what worked, what didn't. And then second and seven, you know, third and or second and, you know, three through six, like it's all, all of this kind of broken down. So it's something I'm really excited about. It's something I'm meaning to do for a while and just haven't really felt up for the task. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So hopefully that'll be up on Cheesehead today and then pack report, uh, hopefully, you know, later this week or next week, I'll be starting the fact or fiction thing. And then, I mean, yeah, I mean, really, it's just, uh, you know, we we're, we will miss talking to each other for sure. Uh, we'll miss talking to you all who listen to us, but we're, we're you know, kind of excited. Not really excited, I guess, but uh, I, I, again, we kind of learn a lot. So to take this little month break, we're going to miss doing it. But I know I'm, I'm looking forward to learning a ton by listening to other people. So we thank, as always, thank everyone for listening to us and all of your support and everything. Uh, we'll see you in, in roughly a month and a half.
Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, just, you know, we love doing this. We enjoy the break because like everyone, it's good to step away from things at times and, you know, refresh, get some new ideas so that we could come back and bring new content, bring on new guests that we've never had before, you know, dive into topics or do segments that are new. And so that time is always just good for us to kind of refresh and reset. And I'm looking forward to um, a new team temporarily coming on and, and and just giving you all the information you need so that you feel ready at, uh, toward the end of April uh, to make your predictions about who the Packers will pick and then get angry that they didn't listen to any of them. Um, <laughs> but seriously, thank you all for listening. It's just absolutely crazy to me that we're still doing this all these years later and that it's really just a part of our life and everyday routine now. Um, it just couldn't be happier to do it couldn't I have the two best podcast partners sorry to everybody else but um truly <laughs> Dusty and Steve are, are the best and I feel lucky to do this with them and uh to have the relationship we do and also the relationship with our listeners I mean the fact that you guys send in uh questions every single week is just kind of blows my mind so we'll be back uh May 17th I believe is the episode we record on May 16th and we, it will probably be absolute chaos because we'll have pent up, you know, takes and anger. And Steve will probably have a lot of things he has to yell about um, and we can react to that. But as always, um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Sarah Kelleher 4, at Dusty Ebley, at Steve Perhatch. And definitely follow during this break and to keep up with draft coverage at Packaday Podcast. We will see you in a month and a half. And as always, go Pack Go!